0: Oh yeah! Good afternoon, everybody. It's Wednesday at 5:09 p.m. for us, and uh, welcome to you whenever you're listening. I'm so excited today in studio, my dining room. Peter Andrew Listic, what's going on, Peter?
1: Hey, how you doing, man?
0: So Peter is a guest I've been trying to have on here for so long. Um, And actually, the irony is that we're studio partners, we're friends, we work together, and it's been hard to get together because we've both been busy. Um, Check out, by the way, while you're listening to this. If you're not driving, PeterAndrew.ca, and and look at the best photographer working in Canada, if not the world, right now. Um, how do you how do you like that intro, Peter?
1: It's pretty good. I want you to say it again, but slower.
0: You should check out <laughs> peterandrew.ca, the best photog in Canada, if not the
1: world. Is uh, is it fucking up that I'm moving my chair? No, not at right all. Slide a hint closer
0: to your mic though, and uh, that'll right. help us. So, um, Peter and I have a have a fairly long relationship, actually. When I was um back here and I needed a day job because I was broke I started working down at Toronto Imageworks and this really nice guy would come in and I wouldn't have noticed except I was working cutting the photos for a while and for those of you who don't know Ed Bertinski, he's uh, sort of the the earlier generation Canadian he's like the older Peter Andrew and uh, so I was kind of working there to cut Like, I wanted to be around that kind of work. And I just kept cutting these prints that were fantastic and they were Peter's. So uh, I remember asking Peter what he was doing, how he was doing it. And then when I got out of the the image works and started, you know, working as an actor and as a photographer, he asked me to be a studio partner and a wonderful relationship was born. Tell them why I'm the best studio partner you've ever had, Peter.
1: There's many reasons. Um, One of the main reasons is the kind of female company that you uh, you keep. That's that's definitely been my favorite, my favorite part of sharing this video. I actually didn't know that that you used to cut my prints though. That's uh, that's a. I had no idea. I thought I thought you were the uh, the front of house guy. I didn't know that. uh, I
0: earned my way up to front of house by cutting prints. Um, I actually, you know, the social aspect of being in front was better. Um, The cutting prints was more interesting because I got to see more work going through. Mm -hmm. You know. yeah toronto women's works is basically the like best photo place in town and and they still do proper film developing and all that um but uh yeah you know the, the female company's pretty good peter was here for a christmas party and uh, i i themed the party the all-white christmas party and uh there's a couple photos floating around from that but i was even shocked at how good looking the women i know and even emily mentioned it she's like we really like it's kind of bizarre
1: yeah yeah, and, so. and coming from a photography, uh, product <laughs> photography, and sort of landscape photography background, uh, I uh, yeah the, the the actor the actor crew you keep is uh, is definitely uh, a cut above what uh, what I'm used to. So
0: yeah, well I appreciate it. I, I appreciate <laughs> it for myself. Um, and also when we had my birthday party at the 3030, I brought yeah. Emily into the bathroom
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I said, "Listen, babe, if you want to know where your man's like." visual photo and erotica sort of thing comes from. If you haven't been to the thirty thirty on Dundas West, uh, the whole bathroom is all just 1972 Playboy photos. Yeah. And uh, I remember as a kid finding those in the attic or like my brother's friend had found them and there were like 15 Playboys in yeah. the attic, right? From like 69, set all those early vintage right, right. ones. And so I would kind of take one down, you know, check it out. I'm 13, 14, uh-huh. put it under my bed and then it would just disappear from under my bed. We had a housekeeper or my mom, but I was in the kind of house where no one ever talked about it.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> so one by one, we lost all the vintage Playboys from the attic through the sort of funnel of under my bed. I, uh, what, what was your early erotica?
1: I, I, yeah, I'm, I was listening to your story. I'm surprised you brought that stuff home. I always feel like that's the kind of stuff you're supposed to look at in the woods uh, <laughs> with your buddies and hide under a rock under a bridge or something i I had like uh, that was where all that kind of stuff was stashed where I, where I grew up it was like and, I, and I've talked to other people and they all always say the same thing that they were their first uh well, like, their first porn nags were always it was always in the woods like a homeless guy yeah and yeah, you shared like sharing a Mickey
0: with a homeless guy yeah, in the woods yeah. hey, come here and and you realize later when you hear those stories that like that was probably like uh if this happened now i'd have to go to a therapist like like a child therapist right like it was a version of like rape or something Uh i I still remember this one kid i won't say his name but in school and he used to talk about whacking off and i remember being like well i I don't know what that is it's like grade (laughs) six or whatever and he goes oh and he kind of does the motion Uh he goes my uncle shows me yeah (laughs) I swear to God. And I'm like, (laughs) as a kid, right? Your uncle shows you all kinds of stuff. That's amazing. Right? Like my uh, Austrian uncle used to show me what a Mercedes diesel was. Right, right, right. His uncle showed him what masturbating was. uh,
1: (laughs) You you only hear that later and you go, wait a minute. It's fucked up. That was a tense house. Yeah. Um, what were you saying about Emily at the, at the basement of the, thirty uh, thirty?
0: Well, just that I showed her those photos oh, and, and it was like, a version is, yeah, 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 yeah. of, of, uh, cause you know, the one thing about Peter is, um, and, and if you don't mind me saying Peter, cause you know, I, I did notice his landscape work and he does a lot of bu- brilliant aerials, um, but I've sent them a lot of people when I can't do their headshot and you shoot people as well as I do or better. So what what for you is the balance? Like You tend to focus more on, on product, but you do shoot people brilliantly. And we'll get to that in a sec with Barn Wedding.
1: Well, thank you. Um, I, I don't know. I, I've kind of had the... Um the uh this weird thing where I've kinda had to teach myself how to shoot everything in order to survive. Like I mean of course I kind of I think my forte is or sort of what work I'm known for is like the aerial stuff, some product stuff, but because, you know, um just trying to stay afloat with only doing photography, uh, you know, in my twenties and stuff. I've kind of had to learn as I go and be able to sort of shoot a variety of different stuff. Shooting weddings, uh, you know, for years and years has kind of taught me to do, uh, you know, portraiture and cool. uh, and product stuff. Portraiture and matters yeah, too. Yeah, and interiors and stuff on the fly. So I, I don't know what the balance is. I mean, I really like shooting people, um, you know sort of just as much as anything else. I really, um, there's a couple stuff, things that kind of going on too where I want to do uh, maybe like a portrait series. Um, it's not like a kind of fully developed idea yet, but I, uh, yeah, I love shooting people. I appreciate all the compliments too. I think uh, shooting people uh, in studio is a, is a really really good thing for me um and i also kind of i love uh uh location portraiture sort of shooting people yeah. on the job and yeah. that sort of stuff's so always really uh, a lot of fun for me and too
0: that's just ridiculous and by the way yeah, you know, i mean the compliments are obviously meant here this is something i want to jump into before we get into like you know we always kind of talking about, about jerking off in talking off. About <laughs> the woods wait we did that already uh, hold on check uh yeah um so no the <laughs> there's two. There's two major ideas for me here. Um, and and to the list, the people listening uh, to chatting between takes here. Uh, I remember when Peter and I just started working together. He was doing an interview with someone interviewing him about his work. And this Peter is where I really was like, you and I, man, we're cut from the same jib. And this is something I talk about in these podcasts so much. And today it even has to do like uh, I won't go into the whole the whole stuff about it. But I was working with the guy from the Killing Joel Kinnaman RoboCop. Mm-hmm. I hate even saying those things because. He's one of the best actors I've ever shot a scene with. And I was just thinking how great it is to be surrounded by excellence, like choosing... To be around things that are excellent. Mm-hmm. So I'm not being humble here. You're a better photographer than me. So I get to mm-hmm. share a studio with you instead of sharing it with some guy who I can like bully around because he likes, you know what I'm saying? Right. Um, and so for me, that's part of it. But what you just said, if you can maybe chat a bit about this to, to the people listening and we can have this conversation about the lack of. Like, oh, I won't do a wedding or, oh, because I remember your responses in this interview. They were so practical. Like, you need a fucking car. Yeah. Don't try and be a photographer and not be able to get around the city. Uh Like, you have a practicality to your approach. And I won't discuss like number figures, but you're a very successful photographer. You drive a nice car. You own a couple properties. Like, what's the difference for you between someone who wants to feel like they're successful Uh and just day after day doing work?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, um, I, I kind of like, I, I like, think there's a lot of sort of honor and taking a, a blue collar approach to sort of anything you do. And, you know, you got to pay your bills, you got to make ends meet. Um, and I think that, um, yeah, like, I mean, there's not too much work I, I say no to, even right now. Like, if, if somebody's going to pay me 500 bucks to fucking go dig a trench and then fill it up with dirt again and go do it again the next day, if I have nothing going on that's going to pay me more, you know, you kind of do the math in your head and, and I'll go do it. Like, I mean, I'll, I'll still. Um, you know, up until a few years ago, I'd still, you know, put in days, you know, just doing odd job stuff, um, you know, you know, cleaning up or painting or whacking up drywall if, if need be. And I think that um, there's nothing to be ashamed of. And I, and I think I
0: love that. And that's
1: half the reason your house
0: looks so great. You know, Peter bought a house that nobody wanted because it looked like hell and renovated it to like swankster. And that makes it sound cheesy, but like gorgeous. Uh, and you did most of that work yourself, right? You
1: know, a lot of it. I mean, I, but I think, I think that, that um, a lot of people that get into uh, whatever you want to call it, the creative industry, whether it's acting or writing or photography or cinematography or whatever, um, there is like, you know, sometimes you got to do some shitty stuff. You know, sometimes you got to take somebody's baby photos or, yeah. you know, shoot a wedding for a thousand bucks a day or all that stuff. And I think there's nothing to be ashamed of. And I mean... Um, you know, I, I agree, man. Yeah, you so, know, I agree. So there, so there you go. And, and I think I, I, I kind of uh, grew up. I was fortunate enough to grow up assisting a couple guys um, who, who sort of took the same approach. And uh, and I think it was I was really inspired by that. You know, being able to sort of quit a desk job at a very early age that a lot of people would have just stuck it stuck with. Um, and a lot of being able to do that is is sort of taking every job uh, that came my way and uh, and sort of not being embarrassed about it and really. Um, you know, a lot of that work that could be really shitty if you, uh, approach it just like you'd approach, you know, a $50,000 job or a hundred thousand dollar job or a portrait of Brad Pitt. If you take that and just pretend like, you know, I'm, I'm just doing shooting a headshot or a portrait of a buddy, but I'm, I'm going to. Give it yes. treat it the same yes. way you would anything else that's got to be excellent. So. Well,
0: there's uh, there's a company Singer. You t- we talked about this Singer Porsches. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not technically Porsches, but uh, Peter and I were talking about Joe Rogan's podcast with Alex Ross from Sharkworks and, and Magnus Walker, who's like the Porsche customizer. And uh, the Singer emblem is everything matters, mm-hmm. and that actually is like a Zen approach, which is you know behave alone as though you have company, and behave when you have company as though mm-hmm. you're alone. And I think that's so much what you're talking about because. I mean, for me, what's so ironic is my turning point artistically came when I started honoring my bills. Yeah. It's when I said, I need to pay rent. I need to pay my gas. I need to pay my insurance. Yeah. Uh, everything matters. All of a sudden, I had this bizarre freedom. Yeah. And in that freedom, I could be truly creative. Did you have like a
1: turning point for that? Um, I couldn't. I, I don't think there's one. I, I guess when I think about my career in a sort of a turning point, I think it's when I just sort of... Uh, you know stopped assisting and forced myself like you know there was there was i'm not going to work a desk job anymore everything i'm going to do is was working in the realm of photography and then the next leap that i can remember was when okay uh you know now i'm just going to only shoot no more assisting and how am i going to make this work right um i don't know if it was necessarily it was uh, like a conscious thing but I think when I look back it's something to point to is like yeah starting my own studio uh, st- you know just basically shooting exclusively not sort of assisting it anymore that, that was a big turning point for me I think that's yeah, my...
0: right on. I did that with waitering and catering where I quit catering I, I had to move away from waiting because I couldn't schedule because uh, I was acting enough but not enough if you yeah. know what I mean and then once I started catering uh, it was the same thing where I was like if I'm catering too much then I'm a caterer yeah so I quit catering before I could now, the plus was I just thought of myself as an actor and I became one. I booked a series lead like three months yeah. later. The minus was I went into great debt and I created a, mm-hmm. a debt cycle habit for myself, yeah. which is I'll just put everything on credit until my ship comes in. Right. Uh, but then, you know, if the ship doesn't come in. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But ours is a little different because, you know, when working as a photographer, we can kind of hustle up work. Yeah, for I sure. I think a bit easier than it um, is I actor. guess, I
1: mean, the equivalent, I don't know, to shooting weddings when you're, you know, an actor is, I don't know, doing like dinner theater or something like that. I mean, I guess there's, there's there, well, there, gross there's, ways to hustle up work as an actor, there's, too. There's tons of different <laughs> yeah, There's a couple ways I can hustle up some work as an actor, <laughs> but uh,
0: if we're talking about Santa Monica Boulevard at 4 a.m. Oh, man. Uh, and a dumpster. Um, <laughs> no, uh, but I actually, so that that film I just shot in Sudbury, it was a bit of that. because So, like last year, I direct a film. I'm the lead in a couple films. It's, you know. I'm I'm building this thing, mm-hmm. and then even something like this film, it was more of like, a, I'm not the lead. I'm in it barely at all. Mm-hmm. But the opportunity to work with some people who are further along than I am career wise, yeah. Uh, and I I never even consider. I was like, yeah, like oh, of course I'm gonna go work with those people. Uh, Rochelle Lefevre's the other one, the girl from Twilight and from Under the Dome. And this and is
1: just what you came back from. Just what I came me. back from.
0: Yeah. But it was kind of like. I wasn't the man on that set. Right. I was very quiet on that set. I wasn't asked for my input on that. I, I was just there to like do the taping Are of the drive. Are you like to
1: talk about what, what your role was? In oh, that? sure. Yeah.
0: Basically, I'm playing uh, like the the lead guy, Joel Kinnaman. He's this sort of ragtag guy who's, you know, we're, we're not sure he's got the ability to be a good father. And then I'm playing the new corporate awesome rich father. Oh, nice. Who's providing for his kids and his ex-wife. Yeah, you're the dick. I'm um, kind of the... Well, kind of. I Hold on. Let me just check something here with this mic. Uh, monitor on. Let me... Uh, the Kind of the dick. You know, the one great thing the director said is it was based on someone he knew. So he goes, it was actually... The guy was a really good guy. Uh-huh. Like, and the fact that he could... This isn't the story of the film, but the fact that this guy who's worth 100 million bucks could, like, in real life, yeah. take his sister, who'd been married to a bit of a schlep, who she loved with all her heart, right. but who couldn't provide a life for yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he goes, You know, the $100 million worth guy? Those kids, one of them's going to like Harvard now. Yeah. And the other one's like a music. You know what I mean? Like it was a great choice. Mm-hmm. And that's what I liked about the project too, was it was multi-dimensional too. Yeah. It's easy to go in and be a smarmy dick because you have a BMW. Yeah, 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 But you got a BMW and <laughs> – y- 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 I'm a smarmy Are dick. Are you smarmy? I'm... No, you're not both. <laughs> <laughs> no. But, yeah, you're neither. Um, Depends speak- who you ask. Speaking of being a smarmy dick, uh, shooting photos chicks. Um, what about it? Uh, how, how's the availability of women? And I a single no, guy. I, it's not
1: something I really do. I I don't know. I, I've I, noticed this. you got you're a man of me, honor. I don't. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Like I mean, it's, <laughs> I guess I guess if I fell into that sort of work, then I would obviously uh, you know I'm not opposed to it. I just think that uh, I don't know. It's just not. It's not my vision. It's. I mean, you know, it's. I got. It's not really what uh, some people are really good at it. I don't think I'm bad at it, but I, I just. It's not. It's not why I got into this. It's not what it's not the the people that inspired me are not so you're the same not banging
0: guy. rails and hose at like two a.m. in the studio. <clears> the, no, mm, not mm, not mm, officially. Mm, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh,
1: mm, oh mm, the fucking baby, the
0: baby. Peter and I share a studio, and we get noise complaints even though we don't really do anything. Yeah. While a baby is shrieking next to us, and this is supposed to be like an artist. No one lives it's there. A type, like, like a warehouse
1: type, like industrial, commercial. Units and we got some guy <laughs> and his wife, or I don't know who she yeah. is, raising an infant next door, and we get we're the guys getting noise complaints because because Sean wants to teach his acting classes. Well, it's fucking ridiculous! It is
0: ridiculous. And the thing for me is like I get the whole if you want to do the whole like Manhattan in the '70s thing where <laughs> yeah you're gonna raise your kid off the like not off the grid as a hippie but like you wanna. It's cheap. You, you pulled it off. Yeah. You don't then go complain to the no, owner. No, it's really like, fucked
1: up. And the, yeah. the irony of the whole thing is, too, is next to us, there's that dude and his, and I don't know what, he, I don't know what he's doing in there, but it's fucking loud. He's it's, got raves going off. He does have raves. With these weird, like, strippery, like. Oh, yeah. Like, Euro, like, ball chicks coming European in there. Girls. And I don't know what they're doing. It's, and he's. Yeah. And he doesn't get in trouble. And meanwhile... Yeah, we've got, like,
0: some of the best artists in Canada developing work in there. and, And it's too loud for everybody. But, you know, it really is the thing for me. Like, if you break into someone's house and you trip on their skateboard, you don't fucking sue them. Right. Like... I
1: don't know Who what, has the balls to do that? I don't know. That? I but don't
0: know how they're getting away with it. But. It's the kid shield. It's the, we have a kid. You know, once Maybe. you have a baby involved, you can be like, well, it's uh, the baby. It's, and it's, it's like. brutal. We, and I think they're the ones who smoke all the pot too. I know. You know, it's like. Uh, hotboxing their baby. They're hotboxing their. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be a real like creative, introspective yeah, baby. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fucking make like making a lot of dream catchers. Yeah. <laughs> <and, laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, um, so let's talk about this. So uh, in the very studio that, that, that I was teaching out of at the time, before we got too many complaints, um, you know, me and Emily and Kelly began and created the, the story and the script with everybody for Barn Wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, I've talked on this podcast about how you came on board. What was your experience with that? Like, how did you know actually three feet from where we're talking, to say, hey, I'll shoot that movie for you.
1: Um, you know what? I always wanted to be a uh, director originally when I first got into all this sort of uh, you know, visual arts type stuff. I always wanted to direct or wanted to be in film. And I actually got into photography because I found that the learning curve um i mean this is kind of the pre-digital days uh it was a lot easier to sort of learn being an assistant on a photo shoot versus being a pa on uh on film sets which i did for a little while uh, when i was in university and i was literally putting out uh you know pylons and cleaning up garbage and then the first time i assisted on a photo set i was setting up lights pretending to know what i was doing uh right off the bat and um so I kind of slipped into photo but I, I always wanted to sort of have uh, one foot in the video thing and I kind of felt like um, this was a, such an amazing opportunity because uh, right off the bat I knew that you're obviously an amazing actor and the people that are around you are some of the best uh, young actors uh, and not so young actors I guess in uh, in the city so um so i just i just knew that it, i think i had a good vibe from everybody and i got along really well with you and i and yeah. i knew that it was going to work out i just had a feeling it was going to work out and i will add this that the, all that being said it was probably the fucking hardest two weeks uh or three weeks or whatever we did it in that i've ever had like it was such an incredibly exhausting endeavor like i don't know how you did it like watching you you know, on week two, still running around with no hat on, you know, when we're in, on, on outdoor days, uh, you know, in minus 20 with windshield kind of situations. And you still we're all pumped up and all that. I mean, I felt like there was moments where if I just closed my eyes for five seconds, I'd, I'd go into REM. Like, it was, uh. it was so fucking exhausting. So I, I have a tremendous amount of respect for for the whole thing right like it's well so what was tough for you because i mean i know what
0: my challenges were but energy wasn't one of them and i don't know why like today i could barely get through the day without a nap Mm -hmm. and you know i barely done anything something about the you know i was infused with an energy for that yeah it doesn't mean i didn't have other magnificent challenges to my like nervous system yeah um, but what what was the draining aspect of it uh,
1: just the, I think just, the, just the the super long uh, shoot days right. you know and then uh, this is kind of the sort of magic of this movie I, th- or I think what hopefully will end up being a very successful movie I think part of the magic of the whole thing was like you know people sleeping on couches I mean, yes. we're all in your in your uh, in your parents uh, place like crashing on the floor grabbing sleep wherever we could all that stuff I just think that yeah it was like the the sort of having to focus, uh, having to um, you know pl- wear a lot of hats because obviously our, yeah. our camera yeah. team was three people, yeah. two people sometimes, and uh, and making sure that it was all actually coming together, and then and then sleeping for three hours and starting up again, you know, a fourteen hour day. I think that was what was exhausting. In terms of other challenges too, like I mean, I was blessed with uh, having Julian who Ooh, unbelievable, who right? is an unbelievable cinematographer in his own on his own and having him to sort of being able to lean on him and actually learn from him. Well, this uh, is
0: one thing that I, I, again, I don't know if you heard, but I, I really complimented you. And like that one day where you're like, uh, the, the, the focus is too narrow and I'm just not getting it. Can Julian do this yeah. shot? And to me, uh, a stud isn't someone who says I got it all the time. A stud someone who knows when they don't. Right. Because that is why our team worked so well. Because yeah. you handing that shot off to Julian – You're not even taking one for the team. You're putting the movie first. Yeah. You know, and obviously we all kind of did that. So, well, two stories here. But one is that, um, yeah, you know, when I brought Peter on board, I was like, oh, my God. Like, I'm going to have the guy who frames the best photos I look at framing my film. Like, this is unbelievable. Now, my initial concept was that the actors would come in and every frame – even if we're if it's just a close up, would be a version of a photo within which they moved. We never would have been able to pull that off time wise, mm-hmm. um, and also, it just would have been too static. Yeah. Like it wouldn't have been an exciting film to watch as good as each photo would have been. Yeah, um, and that's where Julian came in. Julian Peter, who basically could like pull focus uh, on a one four. In the middle of the night To the tip of someone's nose yeah. <laughs> Like he had a t- totally different skill Like he, you know you could see the big picture And he was really good at seeing the small one But the other thing that I always thought was funny is You know Peter framed these shots so well And then I'd go and I'd look at it And I'd I'd like breathe on the camera Or adjust it like and I'd always fuck it up, and I'm like, I'm sorry, Peter. I thought I was gonna make that better, and I literally just made it worse. And, no. and well, <laughs> I thought it was one of the funny times on the film where I was like, I tried not to intrude much, but yours was actually one of the few ones where I was like, I just gotta let him do his thing because I'm never making it better.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I I, I think you put a lot of trust in me and Julian, and and uh, and I think that as as a result, it's gonna be a sort of blend of different visions, which will which will ultimately benefit the movie. I I think. Um, one of the things I wanted to touch on too, I guess, was uh, like I haven't seen this thing since right. it was just assembled, you know, almost a year ago, like a couple of weeks after we wrapped shooting. So I, uh, I'm, I, and you sent me the um, the download link to the basically finished version, right, uh, with a code that I could watch the whole thing. And I've sort of been resisting doing that just because I'm so excited uh, to see the first movie I ever uh, really worked on uh, on this level. Sort of, I want, I want to. Have my first viewing, you know, in the theater. So I've been kind of putting off watching the any any latest uh, edits of it. And it's fantastic.
0: Like it's fantastic, and I talked about this again. Like I could, I didn't realize. I take photos that look plain, mm-hmm. and that a client might thinks plain, and I know how good it's gonna look. Mm-hmm. You know, you and I both know yeah. the magic that that a Photoshop or or even a pass with like this three sliders in Lightroom like yeah. you're going to change the photo for sure and uh I didn't realize how effective that was going to be digitally yeah because you know we shot this thing and we shot it on basically the cheapest easiest to use cameras that can still do cinematic quality right uh the mark the mark threes and uh it, maybe the black magics are now cheaper but we needed the high iso capability I think the black magics only go to 1600 anyways the point is is that uh um, you know
1: we, we. You know some fucking kids gonna be like. Actually, he's wrong. That's not. That's not true. Yeah. Oh If yeah. you get the. If you get the patch, they can go up to sixty four hundred ISO.
0: And he does. This guy doesn't know the fuck he's talking about. And by the way, that kid's right. Yeah. We don't know what the fuck we're talking about. But you know, again, this goes back to what you were talking fuck about. That kid. Fuck where's that his kid. movie? Hey, by, where's his movie? And by the way, if he can, uh, if he can prove us wrong, he gets a free chatting between takes mug. Yeah. There um, you go. Where I got a game get those ordered one day uh, where, where's his movie but that's kind of the point of what we were going back to when you talked about in your 20s and you know um the, the question I get a lot of times, is like, how'd you make your movie? And it's like, we just fucking made it. Mm-hmm. You never DP'd a movie before, no. and it looks brilliant. No, I only never single j- penetration. <laughs> <laughs> Two in the pink, one in the stink. <laughs> oh, no.
1: Shocker. So, listen. Uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, you listen.
1: <laughs> um, uh, I don't even remember what the fuck we are talking about. Uh, oh, talking about no. the movie. Oh, yeah, I think the that's, ch- um, I think that's, uh, I don't know if you, it sounds horrible to say, but that's sort of like fake it till you make it yes. uh, thing. Um, I don't know. I th- I see a lot of people, and it's not just in photography or video, but in a lot of stuff, sort of uh, you know twiddling their thumbs. And of course, there's always going to be uh, a way to make it better. Yes, a way to yes. you know. But ultimately, so much gets done. I think, and so much success is the result of I just fucking I just went for it, and I tried my ass off. And you know, maybe once in a while you'll fall on your face, but once in a while you get it right or even just the just the incredible feat of going through and making a like yes. a full-length movie yes. like this is in on its on itself even if there is like holes here and there it's not technically perfect who cares at the bottom line is there's a there's a movie with a coherent sort of idea and it looks great and it's done and it's it's I think that's a great accomplishment and sort of the same thing with anything like you can you know, you can try to do a renovation on your house, and 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 you you know, not everything you're an expert in, and and then you go through it, and but at the end of the day, if it's it's a it's a finished thing, and you're living in it, even if the you know the drywall isn't perfect or exactly. the plumbing isn't perfect, yes. as long as it's not leaking and it's not going to burn down, you finished it, and that's a huge accomplishment, and I think that.
0: Uh, A lot can be said for that. It's funny because, you know, when I got off the booze and drugs, there's this idea that good is the enemy of best. Mm -hmm. I, I heard that idea. And I remember going, ah, okay, let me see what I think of that, right? So I start processing that. Now, I grew up a total perfectionist. and. If you know any perfectionists, they're unfucking bearable Mm -hmm. because perfectionism is just a way to A, think about yourself all the time and B, uh, make everything about you and how you achieved based on some standard you're providing for yourself. So I actually, the point is I flipped it to be like, uh, sometimes like there's doing my best and then there's being the best. So I'm going to do my best. Who knows if I'm going to be the best? Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, yeah. and a lot of it for me is what you just said. Like, I'm not going to get anything done, whether it's putting a sports seat in my Porsche where I got to drill down into, you know, the the subframe for the, uh, you know, the, the, the racks for the seat or whether it's making a movie. If I'm constantly worried, is that the best though? But yeah. Is that the best? What I can say is, is that the best I can do with the 14 minutes I had to get this shot before the light went down? Sure. (laughs) Great. Got it. Moving on. You
1: can drive yourself crazy and spin your wheels forever and never do anything and never get out of the gate because if I
0: have to, yeah, I actually again kind of what I was saying about like uh, taking care of my bills. When I finally said. It's not going to be the best. you
1: mm-hmm.
0: You're just it's going to be pretty good. Yeah. Like it's going to be pretty good. Yeah. And it's funny for me because I dir- I tried to direct this like a soap opera partly because of the multicam. So there's actually like a that's not a diss, that's a technical approach. Yeah. But part of it is as long as we get it it's yeah. good, but you're not gonna go do a shitty job uh, filming it, and Callie and Emily aren't gonna do a shitty job acting their scene, right? So I don't need to be in there manipulating some version of the best that's my own perfectionist assholeness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't think, you know. And I look at your house, and that's that's how would you ever reno your place if you you, you got caught in the minutia of everything? I'd, I'd
1: be working on it right now, yeah. I, Still, you know. And uh, there's two things uh, going on, you know, with with the theme we're talking about. One thing is something you said. Um, and you said, you know, the solution sort of becomes the style because the way we were shooting, or I don't know if that's exactly what you said, it, but it it's was exactly it's a, it. Yeah. And, and it was sort of like, you know, this is the, this is the deal. We've got three days to finish this thing at this point. What's the solution to this technical problem or whatever it is. And you know what, then that's the style we're going to go with. And I think that was, a, that was sort of a theme throughout the whole movie. Uh, and it kind of gives it a really unique quality. Well, I actually learned that through photos. It was, uh, so, you know, I mean, that's
0: it's it's a version of um, form-following function. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, look, I'm a Porsche guy. I'm not a Ferrari guy. Mm-hmm. Porsche's the form. It looks the way it does because of what they needed it to do. Right. It's not like, oh, let's sculpt something yeah. with our with our fiery, hey, are we going to sculpt it <laughs> with it the heart? Uh, yeah. Who cares if it'll run? Yeah. Um, it's the Nazi approach. It's the it's the Nazi approach. <laughs> it's going to work and uh, it will look like this. Right. So, Horrible. But no, so that with the form following function, I was shooting a band and all I had was a 50 mil lens uh, on an APS-C camera. So for you who don't know, that means that you can't get a lot. It's like an 85 mil. And I was in a room smaller than this mm-hmm. backstage at like the fucking key club or whatever. Right. And I had to shoot five guys. So I ended up getting on a ladder up in the far corner of the room just to be able to fit five guys in a frame. Mm-hmm. The photos have a style to them, but all it was was me solving a problem. Right. It was simply how can, I can't get five guys in the frame unless I'm there. And then they also were like, this guy's fucking cool, look, he'll get up like, Yeah, yeah. and it's like, yeah, I wish I could claim any of that. <laughs> yeah. It was me just trying to fit them and because I, I brought the wrong lens. Yep.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. I mean, and 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 and, and again, there's another thing. Uh, the same sort of idea. Um, my friend Derek told me something that I don't know if it's true or not, but he said it's on the wall in the Facebook headquarters, and it says "done is better than perfect." And I think that. That's Amen. A, and that's an, I think you know that's another uh. thing too, right? Like it's just like, you know. Is there one or two people that are going to look at this and know where we may have cut a corner or two? Maybe, sure. But fuck it. If, hey, if you're free happy. chatting between takes, mug for them.
0: Yeah, exactly. Is there a continuity mistake? Sure. Free uh, barn wedding. As long as for it them. doesn't,
1: as, as long as it's not, you know, 40 percent of people that are going to point it out, then it's good enough and like moving on. And you know what? One day, hopefully, when. Um, you know, I uh, I make a bunch of, bunch more money or whatever and I can, you know, afford to shoot everything on the best camera that, you know, NASA uses, then, then, then that'll be great. But right now, that's not my reality and I'm shooting my shit on a camera that's, you know, worth five, six grand. So. Well, and
0: by the way, uh, there was a film at Sundance which I haven't seen any piece of footage of, but they shot it on an iPhone and mm-hmm. it was revolutionary. It was the hit of Sundance or the talk of Sundance. Yeah. And it's because, again, it's like it's do you have a story to tell because this shit all started with like joe native around a fire going. hey i walked over there and then the bear jumped out and then i stabbed in the neck and then i came back and i i took the trip i told the story and you're all listening because the flickering flame is my light right and uh that's all we're that's all theater then became and that's all that we're doing Mm -hmm. so who gives a what the camera is now it was like our 8,000 ISO shot at night right it's brilliant whenever we basically we were told uh, by someone who wasn't hands-on with the film you can't shoot over 1250 ISO now for those who don't know uh, ISO means grain (laughs) well that guy's our color timer so no that guy that guy gets a hug and a (laughs) bottle of champagne but he's looking at it from a technical aspect so he's giving us his best advice So then we're out and we need to shoot a shot in the middle of the night. So we basically make the film speed of the camera so fast that you can grab like the minimal amount of light, but it gives you grain and noise like a motherfucker. I don't, that night we're like, fuck it. And then, you know, someone's like, well, we're not supposed to go over 12. I'm like, fuck it. We need this shot. Mm -hmm. Look how good it looks. Every single person who's seen that shot, when that comes up goes, wow. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. That looks incredible. It's, it's. It's in, a money. In, in that
1: voice, in that exact voice. I think that shot yeah. is sexy. I'm Sean. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I, uh, You're gonna
0: have <laughs> German nightmares or I am tonight. <laughs> I don't know. Or maybe not Nightmares. Maybe.
1: Oh. Twisted Fist. What? Il- Ilsa,
0: Queen of the SS. Um, Did you ever watch this movie? No. no, no, no. I, I I heard of them. Uh, I never yeah. went down to video hits and had my buddy Dave <laughs> slipping to me under the counter. Oh, no. Oh, God. She-Devil. This I, I can't even be talking about. Can you talk about movies what? called Ilsa, She-Devil of the of course, SS? Man. on course, That's the, the best part. The,
1: <laughs> that's the, it's best it's part. the best part. It's the best part. What are you just going to say? I don't know. I think I'm, I'm off topic again. But you got talking up, about that 8,000 ISO shot. Yeah, uh, yeah. Look, I mean, is it is it perfect? No. Is it framed really well? And the idea, the story is really yeah, beautiful. Yeah. And that's that you know that's takes precedence over whether it's technically perfect or not. And I think uh, a lot could be said for that. Um, you know, if, if somebody made uh, an amazing movie with amazing acting and they shot it on a uh, an eight hundred dollar camera, and then the you know some. I don't think anyone's even going to know the difference. No. You know, so. And
0: again, it becomes the style. Like we think that was on purpose if it works. And if it doesn't, we go, that's a piece of shit. And we don't really, I don't even watch to the end to figure it out. Totally. Um, But uh, do you think homeless, uh, not homeless, do you think people on welfare should be drug tested? There's a couple states that want to do this and they're basically saying, you know, if you're taking the state's money, mm-hmm. then it shouldn't be going toward drugs. Well, I'm
1: going to make an assumption here and say that those are probably states uh, which are uh, overwhelmingly uh, governed by Republicans. Well, I,
0: the idea doesn't even come into play unless they're governed by Republicans. Right. So
1: so there you go. And I think, uh, uh, you know, fuck those people. Like, I, I think it's ridiculous. And... Uh, I don't. Know, I don't want to go on a political rant too too much, but I'll say this. I think that like because that never happens. Yeah, that's what, exactly. Tics. But I think that um, <laughs> they just got to fucking. They just they just got to. I mean, I don't know what it is. Are they pandering to these sort of straight? Well, yes, they are. Right. But I have
0: an interesting version on this because it's like, if if I'm let's say I'm saying you you say Sean I'm hard up this month. Yeah. Can you help me out? Right. And I go sure. Yeah. And then I see you get going out and buying coke. Mm-hmm. I'm like, really? Because I'm lending him money right now. Yeah. I don't not get the line of thinking, even though, again, like uh, when it comes to other things like healthcare and education, environment, like human to human. But I actually sometimes feel like it's not the worst thing to be cut off if you're doing that. Right. I don't know, and because my feeling is the same as yours, like fuck them.
1: Yeah. It's um, inhuman. Yeah, I know. Listen, isn't that the whole isn't that the whole point of food stamp program? Like, isn't that why they came up with food stamps? Because they had people so. who are drug addicted or alcohol addicted, and they're like, well, if we're just going to give them money. That's not going to the the money, the food that they're supposed to be buying with the money is not going to wind up in the mouths of their kids. Right. They're just going to go out and buy drugs and and booze. And so they're going to give up food stamps. In that way, they have to. All all this is good for is is uh is food. So I don't know, like, if that's so. Listen, I think that ultimately all they're going to do is drive these people to... You know, if, you want, if you're a crackhead and you want crack and you say, we're not going to give you any more money to buy crack, you're just going to go steal something to buy the crack, right? I,
0: well, you know, here's the thing too, and I, I actually just looked this up. I didn't know this before we were chatting about it. During the past year, the state of Utah has spent over $30,000 giving drug tests to welfare recipients. Mm-hmm. Get this. In that time period, only 2.6% of those tested were found to have used illegal substances, well below the national use rate of 8.9%
1: what kind uh, of left-wing rag are you uh, reading
0: <laughs> right because it has to be wrong because it's a statistic that doesn't support that and that's the thing is that the other thing and this is the huge one for me mm-hmm. is then we have to drug test our politicians yeah and they're
1: all on that so
0: they're all, fucking, they're all tapping their toe Especially in boner, Florida toes sure. um, but no that's the thing for me is the hypocrisy is going well you're on our dole too mm-hmm. like we're paying your salary as well right so we need to drug test you uh, and if you fail, you basically like can't ever be a politician again. Yeah, like so that's for me where it's what's the point of it?
1: Well, I'm always torn about that because on the one hand, I think drug testing's bullshit, and I think I, I would be I feel really sorry for those people that like uh, you know work corporate jobs and then they uh, go out on their their two days that they have off over the weekend and they and if they smoke a joint with their buddy and then they get tested for it, they're gonna lose their job. I yeah. feel like that's horrible. At the same time. Uh, the guy who's flying my fucking 777 over to Europe, I don't want that guy, you know, smoking a joint and then getting behind the fucking controls of the aircraft and fly. you know, so I'm kind of torn. Like, I get it in some senses, right. but in other, you know, like if you're operating yeah. a plane, I don't want you to be stoned or drunk, <laughs> but I mean, if, if you're designing video games or, you know... Doing Excel spreadsheets. Why the hell can you not smoke a joint on your time off? Well, I think and if
0: you're a cabbie uh, at hour fourteen, I actually do want you on a bit of meth. Yeah, like I want. I don't or, want. Yeah, at least because <laughs> like Chinese that, Red Bull or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait, me and my buddy Greg, who you've met, we uh, we took these yellow jackets. <clears throat> we were down in Washington State, and we just kind of were like, oh, I just want something stronger than a coffee. Mm-hmm. We were up for three days straight. Wow. It was trucker speed, right? It was like.
1: What are yellow jackets? I'm it's not... just little... We thought they it's were It's like wake-ups kind of? Like yeah, that, the little yeah. pills. So yeah. we
0: took like two. You're supposed to take, I don't know, one and a half. So we took a bit extra because we were in our 20s. But yeah. it was like we were up for three days, couldn't sleep, and he phoned me a month later and goes, dude, uh, a state over two kids died of heart attacks in high school and they found these in their locker. Wow. They're illegal now in Washington.
1: Yellow jackets. Yellow jack
0: I don't know if they. I, hey, don't sue me, yellow jackets. If I got the name wrong, but I think it's yellow jackets.
1: Allegedly, truck
0: allegedly trucker speed. But I tell you, if you're driving, that trucker speed ain't bad. Right. You know, my eyes were open.
1: So. No, no, I hear you. So, so I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. Like, do I give a shit if uh, my prime minister or my you know MP? You know, smokes a joint on his time off. I don't really care. I I do care if, you know, the guy that's driving my kids to school, you know, smoked a joint before he drives a school bus or whatever. You know what I mean? So I think there's, it's sort of, uh, it's case specific. And I think just blanket testing of everybody, I'm fully against it. You make an interesting point
0: because if, like, if we're talking quality of life, why shouldn't, a well, like, can a welfare recipient have a beer on a Friday? Mm-hmm. You know, they're out looking for work. Let's say they're doing part time stuff, but they're not there yet. They got three kids. Are they allowed to have a beer on a Friday? If the answer is yes, then they should be able to have a joint on a Friday uh, yeah, for all I, the don't, I we, don't
1: have kids, by the way, to all the. Uh. Yeah. Um, but no, I think I think you're right. Why? Yeah, to, to all the ladies. All the ladies. <laughs> um, I don't. Uh, no, I don't know, man. I th- I think yeah. If you're if you're on welfare and you're out looking for a job. Uh, all the power to you have two beers. It doesn't, doesn't bother yeah, you. Who gives, yeah. Well, the
0: other thing for me too is, um, it's, it's, it's totally punitive. And it's one of those things where it's like, what, what are we trying to do? Save the like 80 bucks. We're giving that one person. How that, about the $1.5 trillion jet? We don't need.
1: Right. Right. And, and that's where I think, kind of think it comes down to political, political pandering yeah. where they're just kind of, uh, you know, playing on the strings of people who are like, you know, don't know anybody on welfare, but are angry about welfare. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know what I mean? So fuck. Uh, yeah. Or or the Craig
0: T. Nelson. Did you, did you see that one where he goes, look, man, I was on food stamps. No one ever helped me out. Yeah. And you what? He's literally describing how he pulled himself up by his bootstraps and was on food stamps and that no one ever helped him out. And you're like, that fucking disconnect. Because usually when I complain about the right, and again, I try and keep it apolitical, like, Maybe in four years, no, but maybe the Republican Party would actually have great ideas. Mm -hmm. So who knows what, I mean, you know, Republicans, Democrats, their names, but the right, Mm -hmm. like small r, right. There's an empathy gap there Mm -hmm. where uh, if I haven't been through what you've been through, Mm -hmm. then I can't fucking, why would I, you know, and then once one of their daughters is gay, they come out and go, oh, it's not that bad to be gay, you know, only when one of their daughters is gay. Now, the thing for me, though, is like um, with that empathy gap is it's like what about the fact that you just want to help somebody? Like Mm -hmm. what about the fact that somebody is having a hard time of it? And by the way, they just did a study where like welfare recipients, uh, people scamming welfare and food stamps, first off, like all of them were white Mm -hmm. uh, and most of them, uh, sorry, all of them, and that went against all the statistics. Everybody was like black this, black that. and It's Mm -hmm. like, Yeah, no, it's actually like the people who hate welfare are often the ones voting against
1: welfare. Yeah, it, well that's that's this weird thing in the states where there's um this idea that exists I think with a lot of poor people and I'm going to go out and generalize and say there's a lot of poor white people where they think that like the Republican someone's party coming is, for them. is yeah, it, yeah yeah or yeah, someone's coming from and that the Republican uh, party uh, is the one that's going to, you know, pull them out of Got poverty, which yeah, which is super fucked up. Um and then they, there's this something I read in the CBC where they were saying how they often vote against their own self-interest. Uh historically which is which is weird like there's yes. you know, Democrats democrats come and they're proposing all this sort of social reform and uh you know sort of uh pr- programs for lower income people and they're and they're like no fuck that it's gonna yeah. raise our taxes even though they don't pay any yeah <laughs> and it's just weird i don't know man but so
0: by the way uh i i would love to keep talking about this because i love talking about this mm-hmm. but um kelly mccormick so kelly mccormick is phenomenal talented uh, mm-hmm. genius writer yeah. and co-producer on barn wedding and in it uh as if you don't know that but if you're new to this um, you want to know who Kelly McCormick is and you will once this film gets out she's
1: also very beautiful
0: yes she's stunning and Kelly McCormick has a question for you Peter mm-hmm. I'm going to ask in my sexiest voice since obviously you find Kelly attractive mm-hmm. and you too well so, so we'll do my sexiest All
1: right. <laughs> don't look at me like that man
0: Peter I'll try and make my lips big like hers mm. Peter
1: I'm going to look down at your let me, me just it. give you some cleavage okay shoot
0: how has still photography changed after working on Barn Wedding has it changed you're still photography
1: wow that's a good question very good question Thank you, um peter. I'm, let me just think about it for a second how has photography changed I like the way you look after you working <laughs> um oh peter I, I think definitely there is something to be said about um, shoot me peter shoot me you know I'm not going to fucking answer this question
0: (laughs) answer that question Uh, how
1: has it changed Uh, I think that there's a lot to be said about um, sort of that quick uh, framing just having to do that quick framing over and over and over and over again like this movie wasn't a movie that was storyboarded uh, really you know there's a general idea going in and we sort of make it up and then you know, once we're in the actual room, the room's completely different or, or, you know, or or the idea, you kind of have to think on your feet. And I think that in terms of uh, squaring up a shot and framing a room and all that stuff, having to do it over and over day in, day out, uh, you know, I definitely can take what I learned uh, on Barn Wedding and then apply it to any interior situation I've shot since, which has been, you know, all the time. So I think that it's made me uh, sort of, quick on my feet in terms of uh, framing and particularly in interior spaces because for those of you who don't know, the movie was essentially shot in two locations, in this house and at the house in Guelph. Mm-hmm. So um so there you go i think that's no that's we, just sort of
0: how do you find you're then shooting more quickly or you're just you have more time within I just the think
1: shoot I'm, I, I just think I'm, maybe if i'm shooting more quickly is because i've gotten better at it uh well, yeah
0: yeah so that's even with my headshots i've noticed like my portraiture like it, it happened a few years ago steven Amel, actually we the, the actor who plays arrow we'd shot his headshot and he had a beard and then he called like a couple months later and goes listen i, I don't have my beard and i want another shot from you uh-huh. do you think we can do it in like 15 minutes I want to wear the gray shirt with the blue backdrop. Mm -hmm. Hell yeah, we can do it in 15 minutes. I mean, the time is more about the feeling. You know, the couple hours with the client is more about having a coffee, getting Mm -hmm. to know them a bit. But when you already have shot with somebody, setting two lights or a light and throwing up a backdrop, yeah, it doesn't actually take that long. No. You know, uh, and then you, you... you, you see the person, you shoot them, and you move on. Yeah. It's kind of our dirty little secret, I think, a lot of the time. For sure. Especially for the portraiture. Um, so, we're, we're kind of winding down here, but I really want to talk to you about yeah your, your, your gun shots. Oh, yeah. Cool. So, Peter has these shots. Um, do you have a name for the series? Yeah, it's called the Point Blank Project. The Point Blank Project. Look this up. I actually, by the way, I didn't even tell you this. I have a sticker of, is it the six-shooter on my computer? Yeah. 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 I got a six-shooter on my computer. It's these stickers of basically these guns pointed directly at the lens at you and uh, I had three people at the airport who went and checked out your site oh, after cool. coming up and going and I was down in the States and they're yeah. like dude I love that what is yeah. that and I was like it's my buddy Peter Andrew and it's the shit so I don't know if they ordered from you or anything but um, this seems to be making a little bit of a splash right or, or a big splash yeah um, you've been featured you've had six foot
1: it's, it's been good I mean we uh, we had uh, a big four by eight foot one of these gun prints um, you know up in a, in a room that was prominently featured uh, on a show that was on Netflix called Hemlock Grove um, it, we've got a Show coming up in Montreal, one in London. Uh, They're being shown uh, this weekend at Scope in uh, in New York City. And basically, what it is is me and my buddy Derek Blay uh, and another another guy uh, named Simon Duffy. They're ad guys, and they came up with this idea way back, uh, you know, three or four years ago to shoot uh, this guy Longo uh, made these charcoal drawings back in the 80s of of handguns, you know, sort of facing right at the camera. And they said, "What if we did this photographically?" And uh, we started shooting you know first we shot five or six of them and then the series has ballooned into like you know 20 of them now and we we shot these guns uh, from a you know dead straight on it's awesome. face on perspective you got
0: to look at these if you're listening
1: it's uh, it's pointblankproject.com and and then we what i did is i kind of invented this technique in photoshop where i deconstructed them um, and then assembled them all together so there's this like infinite flat perspective to them uh, there's no sharpness fall off so it's like this impossible perspective and then we blew them up four by eight feet and, uh, and we've been selling a bunch of them and they've been in a bunch of TV shows and uh, and people seem to really like them. Well, they're great because, you know, it really, I mean, for me, the way it functions so wonderfully
0: is as both an art piece and something you just want as like a dude or maybe mm-hmm. a chick. But yeah. like, uh, and for me, what's so interesting is, I mean, again, I don't want to get political on this one, but like guns you, are a thing. Um, you like guns, Sean? I do. I fucking love guns. Good. Because if you said you didn't, I'd tell you to
1: fucking leave right now.
0: <laughs> the thing is, I love guns. I love shooting guns. And uh, if you said to me, we're going to ban guns in Canada so nobody gets slaughtered, I'd go fine. But if you said to me, um, we're not, I'd happily own a handgun or, or a shotgun or fucking whatever. There, I, I I do like guns. I like weapons. But um, I, I just posted the thing on Facebook. it, it it makes me think about what I think about guns. Uh-huh. Like, So I like the image. I'm struck by it. But then I'm also I'm going into in the way that I think really good still art. And this is something, by the way, folks. I just kind of want to throw this out. Like if you've never looked, and you fucking probably won't. Like I know some of you will. But if you've never looked at something that isn't a screen. Like a, I'm talking a painting or a photograph. Like... Over a period of time, a lot, you know, like paintings used to be movies, right? Mm -hmm. Like they'd paint something for a king. It would be on a wall, the size of the wall, like a movie screen. And we're still looking at these things in museums today for a reason. Right. And I feel like you've really created something like that. And I get why it's successful because it's cool as shit. It's current, but it's legit fucking art. Thanks, man. Yeah, it, it creates that loop. And that's kind of what I'm talking about, people. Uh, when you're looking at a screen, it tells you what to think or feel. Even if you feel a lot, it's still like I don't have to think when I'm watching Friday Night Lights or even a great movie that's deep and emotional. Uh-huh. But when I'm looking at something still, it's about my relationship with it in and out. Um, and, I, and again, I, re- I really think you've, you've done something there. So
1: I'll send some people your way. Um, anything you want to go out on, Peter? Uh, I will say this. Um, thanks for asking me to do this. I've wanted to do this for a long time. It's been a lot of fun. Um, I feel like we could chat a lot longer. Um, so maybe we'll do it again sometime. Dude, let's
0: definitely do it again sometime. Yeah. And and for me, it's just such a pleasure having you here. Obviously, you're someone whose work I respect, and you're a fucking bro. I'll tell you one thing about Peter. This guy's got strong legs. I thought I had strong <laughs> legs. We went to the gym. First off, we did a bunch of pre-workout. Uh, we Peter oh, never man. done pre-workout before, had you? The No Explode. Yeah. So I'm, you know, I used to do the the the, the drugs, the stimulants, and uh, for for me, like three scoops, of Eno explode is like um like a tea, you know. And uh, weren't you like, like your eye was twitching? I, after a I I was cup. having
1: sweats. I didn't know what the <laughs> fuck was going on. It was it was intense, man. But, but you were a monster at the gym. It, it, it works. Like I I haven't done it since. Uh, but, it yeah, it, it works. I mean, I, I, I it's got to be addictive. I mean, there's no way that... I mean, well,
0: for me, it's motivating. How about that? Yeah. It makes me... Some mornings, I want to go to the gym because it justifies me doing the extra scoop of the pre-workout. Yeah. It's like, you know, doing coke and then because you want to get your taxes done. Right. <laughs> but then you don't get your taxes done. You end up at the strip club. Oh, no, yeah. And you're like, shit, I got to do my taxes. Horrible. And then the, the dancer's like, ooh, you do taxes? And I'm like, yeah, I do taxes.
1: What? Sean is an expert. Club the, Paradise the strip club game. You ever um, been to Club Paradise? Oh, I used to live next door to Club Paradise. I know. You ever uh, been? So I have been. I have been. I will tell you. If you don't know this, there is an elevator at the bottom of the stage, and the 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 babes they come Ooh. they come the they come up they in are. the elevator uh, when they when they start their songs, and uh, and I give it a strong endorsement. Even though they took down the uh, the cool neon sign that they used to have. Oh,
0: I didn't even notice they did because yeah. even uh, until recently, I'd always give a little toot. I'd only been there a few times. It was a bit off my beaten track, but big respect for Club Paradise. If any of the ladies listening are Club Paradise dancers, um, have a good time tonight. I don't yeah. think I'm going to see it. And I'll tell you this, ladies, the best. What, what, if you if you were telling your daughter, if your daughter was a stripper and uh-huh. you were telling her what song to strip to, yeah, uh, what would you tell her?
1: Uh, there's a couple I'll say for sure. Um, How do you want it? By two okay. is probably my my favorite uh, stripper okay. song. Yeah. and put your back into it by Ice Cube Ooh. was the first song I ever got a lap dance to. Nice. Uh, so I uh, I recommend that as well. Uh, uh, you know what I'm going? Dracula. I don't Rob know Dracula. Zom- Rob Zombie. Oh man. Oh yeah, of course, of course I know that, Dracula. That's yeah, intense. Nice. That's, yeah, that's so okay. Like, so I'll
0: tell my daughter Dracula and like you'll tell shit that
1: I don't know about, your but daughter
0: I... put your back into it. Um, you know, there's that phrase, uh, dance like nobody's watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, and kind of this This will put a little bit of a bow on our theme of being a self-starter and being motivated. Don't dance like no one's watching. Dance like you're a stripper with two kids and a mortgage because then you might actually do something worth being paid for.
1: There you go. Words to live by from Sean Benson.
0: Words to live by. Thanks for joining us, everybody. This is Chatting Between Takes, Shawnee Benzo and Peter Andrew. Bye-bye, everybody. ca.